Okay, we are back to podcast, and uh, we're going to continue and where we left off on uh, Sunday evening, First Samuel, First Samuel, chapter number seventeen. First <clears throat> Samuel, chapter number seventeen, and so uh, let's start in. Uh, Let's start in verse number 24. Verse number 24, and that will give us a good uh, symmetrical breakup um, from where we uh, had, be- had where we had ended. Um, a couple things in the way of announcements, of course. Don't forget about Sunday morning. Uh, homecoming in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, care box distribution. We've got a ton of ton of things going on. But I got something special uh, planned Sunday morning, and uh, Samuel has uh, written. Uh, you know, if I've talked to you a little bit about his uh, podcast and given his testimony on Sunday morning, and he has uh, written something that he wants to share with the church, and so on Sunday morning. Um, Probably right before the singing, or maybe right after the special singing. Uh, if Lawson is there, we will give Samuel an opportunity to share something that he's written, and um, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait for him to share it, and I share this with you so that you will be in prayer for him uh, as he uh, prepares to uh, share with us something that the Lord has laid on his heart on Sunday morning. So pray for Samuel, and uh, we love him so much. And pray for him, and uh, thank God for what he's doing in his life. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him, were sore afraid. So we pick up here, we see that Israel is in great fear. We'll be dealing with fear again on Sunday morning, um, and I haven't planned it that way by by no stretch of the imagination. It's just uh, how it's fallen in, in our series, um, but as we deal with Gideon, we will deal with the problem of fear in our hearts, and fear and faith are uh, contradictory to one another. Verse 25, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Has he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. So I I like David's attitude from the beginning here. He said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He he doesn't respect Goliath, or or he he may respect him to a degree uh, as a willing foe, but... He's not afraid of him. He just says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He uh, 
he he's not intimidated whatsoever. And David, by the appearance of others, is the last one that you think would be ready to fight. And that's been David's story since we've been introduced to him. That he was the last one that his his father picked, uh, and probably the last one that anyone would have uh, for Saul stepping out into the valley of Elah to uh, fight against this uncircumcised Philistine, as he calls him. And you know, that's what God does. God will pick and choose those that others have not anticipated. Verse 27, the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Verse 28, and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men that Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And this is the verse where I told you he belittles him and makes light of David's current occupation. And he turned, verse 30, and he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him after the former manner. Verse 31, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Some of this is a review. Uh, but thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You remember me elaborating on that. He's saying, David, you're just a youth. And it, this this. Philistine has been fighting wars and battles since he was your age. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant keep his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I like this. And I went after him and smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now, I love that. I talk often about the past. In other words, leaving the past in the past. Past failures should remain right there in your past. Past failures will drag you down. Past failures serve no purpose and no no blessing to anyone, no help to anyone to continue to, to bring them up. But past victories can be used to give us the confidence, the faith, and the hope that God's going to see us through. And so that's what David does. David is about to fight this Philistine, Goliath. And before he does so, he hearkens back to a great victory that he's had that really nobody knew about. It happened when he was keeping the sheep, the lion, and the bear. And, and David said, look, God's always delivered me. God's always taken care of me. I've had integrity, I've fulfilled my duties, I've done what I was supposed to do, and just like God took care of me and gave me victory over the lion and the bear, God's going to do that for me now in facing this Philistine. Now that's how we are to use the past. If it's a failure, look at it, learn from it, move on. If it's a victory, look at it and say, use it for motivation and confidence and faith that the same God that give you victory over this circumstance in your life is the same God that can give you victory over what you're facing right now. So, 
verse number 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me, uh, delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord's with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said unto him, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. So, that's where we ended the last message. The The last lesson is David had to shun, he had to depart from Saul's armor, because David had not proven Saul's armor. Now, Saul's armor had been proven by Saul, Saul had been in many battles, but David couldn't go on what Saul used. David couldn't go on what Saul did. And you know, you, your spiritual life, you I, I've seen people very old in age that their spiritual life was still tied in to their mother when she was alive, or their father when they were alive, he was alive, or uh, a spouse who is tied into the spiritual life of of uh, each other instead of having their own walk with God. This armor had been proven, but it was Saul that had proven the armor. David had never proven it. And there's going to come a time where you can't you can't be drugged along by someone else and ride others' spirituality. You have to prove your own armor and your own walk with God. Verse number 40. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Been a lot of debate. God doesn't particularly tell us uh, distinctly why he chose the five smooth stones. Perhaps it was Goliath's brother, Brothers, which was probably the most likely, symbolically, five is the number of grace. And um, God's grace will be sufficient in this battle. Um, but he took five smooth stones. He won't need them all, but he did take five. So be prepared. When you go into battle, take more than what you need sometimes, and you, you won't run out. All right, verse number... Uh, he says, coming near to the Philistine, verse 41, the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. So here they go. And the man that bare the shield went before him. So they're about to meet in the valley of Elah. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. So he's not just young. He looks kind of soft. He doesn't look, he's a handsome young man. He doesn't look like a tough guy. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So he's underestimating him as well. Philistine said to David, Come to me, I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. He's got a lot of talk, doesn't he? You know, the enemy always likes to talk. Always likes to brag. Always likes to make himself to be even bigger than what he is. And he's a giant. He he doesn't really need any help enlarging himself, but that seems to be what he's doing here. He's 
making himself out to be a little bigger than what he is. And that's a bully. That's simply all all he is, is a bully. And so, verse number 45, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. So, uh, David says, You've got all the weaponry that you need, a sword, a spear, a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. He said, you've come to me with all of this weaponry, but I'm coming into you in the name of God. Now you think about that. Here is the Goliath. Here's the giant. He's way bigger than David, much bigger than David. Not only that, he's coming with full weaponry, full armament, a shield, a shieldsman, and David's just walking out there with five smooth stones and physically overmatched. This is not even close but to look at it. Won't even be a fair fight. But boy, we don't know God. Verse 40, or he, he doesn't know God. Verse 45, um... Now, notice that David said he comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, to do anything in the name of the Lord, it, what it does is it means to do it just for his honor and just for his pleasure with no selfish motive. So David's not fighting Goliath here in order to get the rewards that will be offered by Saul, according to verse 25, but to prove the reality and the power of the living God whom these Philistines have despised. So basically Saul is offering a ransom or a a bounty for anyone that can defeat the Philistine. And David's letting it be known, I, I'm not fighting Goliath for this bounty. I'm fighting him for the honor and the glory of God that's at stake. Verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And I'll take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God of Israel. Do you see that? David is basing his whole battle, this whole warfare, this whole situation in him going against Goliath. He's basing the entire episode on God and God going before him, God fighting for him and before him, and God getting the glory out of the victory that is about to be wrought. The whole thing. The whole thing. Now, look with me in verse number 46. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with his sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone, and he slung it, and he smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So one stone, one stone's all he needs. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and he slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. 
Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. That's all it took. There was a whole host, a whole army of Philistines. And when the leader was gone, the rest of them ran. How, how, how beautiful is that? How true is that? In essence, he cut off the head of the snake. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley to the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sherem, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. The children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Now, there's going to come a point in David's life that that's, that's, all of this is going to be noteworthy. Now, we're not going to address it now, but for some time down the road, I want you to take note of what David did. He cuts his head off, and he takes the armor, the sword and the armor of Saul, and he puts it in his tent. Now, verse 55, And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. In other words, he's wanting to know who's, who is this. When Saul asked whose son is this youth, it doesn't mean that Saul had forgotten who David was and who he had been before, but the king, he wants to know about the family from which David is come and, and how why he's so courageous. And Saul's not particularly interested in the family tree of an armor-bearer or one who played the harp, but this young man, David, might soon marry the king's daughter, according to verse 25. And Saul wanted to know a little bit more about him. Remember, he offered his daughter to anyone that would that would win. Verse 56. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. Verse number 57. As David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered and said, I am thy servant Jesse. I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, a couple closing comments as we start wrapping this up. This was a little bit shorter than last time. Last time we went about uh, 10 minutes uh, over. 30 minutes tonight will be a little little bit uh, under because just it, it averages out to be an hour over the two uh, lessons. But I want, I want to let you know where this is going. This is building to the place of Saul's jealousy. You're going to see that come to fruition in the next chapter. So I'm going to reserve that until the next study. But it starts with Saul's son, a young man by the name of Jonathan. And it'll continue not just with his son Jonathan, but with the entire uh, nation will be beginning to just hail David as wonderful and great. Jealousy begins to rise up in Saul's heart. Now, the two lives will be intermingled from this point forward, David and Saul. 
they, you remember David has offered his daughter, he's offered ransom money, and David has went to serve God. He's not done it for the daughter, he's not done it for the money, he's done it because he has a heart for God. Now, in this we see the complete opposites that David and Saul are. David is a man that we'll find is after God's own heart. David is not a perfect man and will not be a perfect man throughout the rest of his life. But David is concerned with God. David is concerned with serving God, loving God, honoring God. David is concerned with God's name and God's glory and God's honor. And Saul is concerned about himself. Saul's concerned about his own kingdom, about his own self-promotion. So, in teaching through this, from this point forward, you're, we're going to see that Saul is an enemy. Saul is a picture of the world, the flesh, the devil. You see, he's the fallen king. He's the fallen son, if you please. Just like Satan was a fallen angel, the fallen enemy. And he's going to be warring after, or Saul was. And Saul's going to be warring after David. And this this embarks in chapter 17, um, where we're going to go in this journey. For much of David's life, from this point forward, we'll, he will be pursued by Saul. Saul will be a nemesis. Saul will be an enemy and a foe. And I'll show you the reasons next time of why that became to be so. But it boils down to jealousy and envy and pride and ego. And it's important to keep these things out of our hearts. To focus like David on serving God. To not stay mad and bitter and angry over something that happened last week, last year, last month, 10 years ago. But to look forward, to face enemies head on. And to face enemies and what comes against us with the purpose of God getting glory out of the victory. Not because we want to live victoriously, not because we want to say we won victory, but because God will ultimately. That's why God gave David that victory. God trusted David's heart. Now you're going to find that there's going to be times when David fails mightily, and we will go into those things in detail. And in my life, I've often wondered this. You know, I've, I've all, or often taken note of it. I've seen it. I've built messages. I've built ministry around it. How God's not interested in our perfection. God's not interested in, you know, our, our elevating ourselves up as being perfect people, perfect preachers, teachers, perfect Christians. He's interested in the purity and the integrity of our hearts turned to Him. And when we do fail and sin and commit uh, sins or, or have problems in our lives, that God can look as we get forgiveness and gain forgiveness into the integrity and the purity of our hearts 
for who we really are. And that's the difference of Saul and David. It's who they really are on the inside. And so tonight we have spoken on David's motive. David's motive in all of this, he said several times, was for God to get the glory, to, for God to be honored out of this victory and out of the ensuing victories. David is always concerned with that. And I want you to remember that tonight. David's motive, the second part of 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Good night. Love each one of you. Hope you have a great remainder of your week.